another jerryfarney.com podcast. I am your host, Jerry Farney. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the uh, the issue with the syringes that are going on right now in the world of pharmacy. I don't know uh, if you know much about this, but uh, several months ago, it came to the attention of some pharmacies that some of the medication they were storing in certain syringes, uh, specifically BD syringes, were losing potency over a period of time. And if you know anything about pharmacies, uh, you know, we use a lot of syringes to store various medications, Uh, sometimes uh, just for admixture, which doesn't seem to be a problem, but sometimes we'll actually store medications in syringes for longer periods of time. For example, for anesthesia, for use in pediatrics, uh, and other niche cases. As it turns out, certain medications, and I believe in this case, uh, medications that are acidic, you know, pH is less than 7, I'll have to look to verify that information, but I believe that's the case. These medications lose potency over a period of time in the, in, uh, the BD syringes. Now, I'm not sure whether or not this applies to all syringes for every manufacturer, but it was, in this case, specific to BD syringes. It was actually originally reported in the 3 and 5 ml BD syringes, but that has since been extended to include syringes, the 1s, the 10s, the 20s, and the 30s, uh, and I believe also BD oral syringes. So there's been a lot of response to this in the pharmacy community. Uh, the FDA has addressed it. Uh, ISMP has addressed it. ASHP has been trying to address it, as well as individual pharmacies. I haven't had an opportunity to talk to many pharmacies about the issue. I have some emails out to some uh, friends and some colleagues to see how they plan on dealing with the issue. But at the moment, everybody's kind of a little bit frustrated and trying to figure out exactly what to do. The problem here is that pharmacies in general have been storing medications in syringes for a very long time. We can go all the way back to when I got my start in pharmacy, uh, for example. I was working in a pediatric hospital here in the Central Valley. And we had standardized doses. So what we would do is we would try to make a three-day supply of everything that was in stock, and we would restock the shelves with those items. Metoclopramide at the time, a lot of cisapride, vancomycin, cefazem, whatever the case may be. And we would give those uh, items a seven-day expiration, and we'd put them on the shelf. But glass syringes became too expensive, and we moved to plastic syringes, and we did exactly the same thing. Now, the practice uh, hasn't changed much over the years. We still do pretty much the same thing, and we use guidelines set forth by USP 797 for beyond use dating. And while USP 797 takes into account sterility as its main criteria for dating of syringes, I don't think anybody's actually paid a whole lot of uh, attention to the stability of the drug. And that's what's caused the problem here. So in response to this, BD sent out a letter Um, to customers in the United States that were using their plastic syringes. And basically the letter indicated, this is dated back from September 1st of 2015, basically the letter states that these syringes were never intended to be used uh, for storage of medication. In fact, I'm going to read a quote here from the, uh, the U.S. customers using BD plastic syringes letter from BD. So this letter is being provided in follow-up to our July 31, 2015 communication regarding BD plastic sterile syringes. These syringes are FDA cleared for use in general 
purpose fluid aspiration injection only and the concerns addressed in this communication do not relate to that cleared use. So in other words, if you're using these syringes to compound medications in the IV room and the final container is something different, a bag, uh, evacuated container or something like that, then it doesn't make any difference. It's only if you're using these syringes as the final container that there's a problem. It goes on to say we've received reports of decreased potency when drugs are compounded or repackaged and stored in these syringes. Because the potential public health impact when the syringes are used in this way, we are issuing this communication to assist in identifying affected syringes. We have now confirmed that lots of 1 ml, 3 ml, 5 ml, 10 ml, 20 ml, and 30 ml BD syringes contain the rubber stopper associated with decreased drug potency after storage. In other words, the stoppers made of the same material in all of their syringes. That makes, that makes sense. Now, you have to wonder if the same material is being used in all syringe manufacturers. I think one of the most important things to note here is that none of these uh, syringes are cleared for storage. And that's very important because BD is, is basically stepping back uh, from how pharmacies use these syringes and saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. We actually never said you could do this. As a matter of fact, the FDA has never said that you can do that. Now, this has become abundantly clear uh, given that ASHP has asked the FDA for clarification on the issue. And in a uh, ASHP news article dated October 8th, 2015, uh, ASHP says that the FDA has not cleared or approved any syringe for standalone use as a closed container system. That's an email that was sent to uh, ASHP via the FDA in September. And I'll leave a link for this article uh, along the bottom of this podcast. As a matter of fact, I'll also leave a link to um, the FDA website where they talk about the compounded or repackaged uh, drugs stored in the BD syringes. And that's dated September 8th of 2015. The ASHP news article goes on to say that, um, I'm going to probably butcher this name here, uh, Bana E. Benjamin, ASHB's Director of Medication Use Quality Improvement, said that the recent announcement about general purpose syringes highlights the need for pharmacists to select appropriate container for the particular compounded sterile preparation. That, that goes without saying. She goes on to say that pharmacies that want to store their own compounded or repackaged sterile preparations in general purpose syringes have two choices. Test every drug at every concentration that you use and in every size syringe that you use it. So, for example, if you want to use fentanyl in a 3 ml, 5 ml, and 20 ml syringe at 50 mics per ml, you would have to have those all tested. If you wanted to do fentanyl at 20 mics per ml, i.e. a dilution, you would have to have those syringes tested. Or, secondly, rely on the results of published stability studies. Now, if you use published stability studies, you have to have the exact same syringe, the same concentration, and the same drug. So Benjamin goes on to say that uh, the United States Pharmacopeia Chapter 797, so that is USP 797, addresses the sterility of a compounded sterile product in its final sterile container, not the potency or the stability of the drug. So this is going to be a major problem moving forward for pharmacies. Uh, pretty much every pharmacy that I've worked in has utilized these syringes to store 
uh, drugs for extended periods of time. As I mentioned before, I believe all the drugs affected here are uh, acidic, but I, I could be wrong and I, I haven't seen any new information uh, published on this, but that's beside the point. You know, I remember a time when uh, we used to see a lot of stability studies on different types of bags and different types of containers like syringes and drugs in combination. I don't see those nearly as much as I used to. I mean, that's what, that's what Trissels is basically built upon is this type of information. Uh, the International Journal of Compounding Pharmacy used to have a lot of these articles in it, but I don't read that journal anymore, so I'm not clear if they do or not. But they've got to have quite a bit of information in their archive if you want to go check that out. Now here's where things get a little bit tricky. I am absolutely 100% positive in my mind that manufacturers knew that pharmacies were using their syringe for this kind of thing. And if you think about it, IV room robotics like Intellifil, uh, IV Station Reva, um, they do this kind of thing. This, this is exactly what they do. They make medications stored in a syringe with their final container. You know, now the question becomes, what does this do to the value proposition of a robot that makes syringes? Before this information was released, uh, I was thinking that one of the best use cases for a robot was syringes. I've spent the last couple of months, you know, uh, immersed in the anesthesia area, looking at how anesthesiologists work in the OR, how they use medications, how pharmacy moves medication from the pharmacy to the OR. Uh, what anesthesiologists like, what they don't like. And one of the trends I found, uh, well, actually I found two things. I found that anesthesiologists like pre-filled syringes, and I found that pharmacies like and prefer using pre-filled syringes. There's a, a lot of different reasons for that, but basically for the anesthesiologist, they're not spending their time, you know, drawing medications from vials into syringes. They're able to just, you know, slap a, a uh, needle on the syringe or connect it to their, uh, their needleless system and administer the medication. As one anesthesiologist would put it, uh, we like to squirt and monitor. And from the pharmacy perspective, it gives them a little bit more control over the medication, uh, how it's used in the OR, waste, uh, accountability, and, and so on. So I talked to a few pharmacies that were actually starting to make more pre-filled syringes for the OR. And uh, they were getting them either from a third-party vendor, uh, the most popular of which are uh, most well-known is Pharmedium, or they were making the syringes themselves. Well, making the syringes themselves now is basically out of the question, unless they're going to give them, you know, basically a 24-hour expiration date, make them for the case, the specific case, send them to the OR, and have to account for all of them. I don't think anybody's going to do that. So what does that mean for companies like Pharmedium? Well, let's assume for a second that Pharmedium has uh, the data to extend the date on certain types of medications and syringes, and I believe that they do. Uh, compounding houses like Pharmedium are held to a, a higher standard, and they typically use what's called uh, good manufacturing process or procedures, GMPs, and in that case they will have stability data on various medications in different types of syringes. I posted about this uh, in a blog post is whether or not companies like Pharmedium will be willing to give this information to pharmacies for use in-house. My initial gut reaction is, of course, why wouldn't they? Uh, but then the more I thought about it, you know, it's a, bi a business decision for these companies. If they give the information away to the pharmacies, then, you know, maybe the pharmacies aren't obligated to purchase their syringes from a third-party vendor like Pharmedium. So I don't know. I don't know Pharmedium. I don't know the people at Pharmedium. 
you know, I don't know what kind of morals they have. I don't know what kind of business sense they've had. But in general, when I when I speak to companies and when I've been involved with companies, uh, it's usually a business decision that drives this type of thing. So in the long run, I have no idea what's going to happen here because the FDA, as far as I know, has not come out with a formal uh, position statement on this. They We have the information at the FDA website. We have the information at uh, ASHP, and I know ISMP is also involved with this a little bit, but I haven't seen an official uh, bulletin from the FDA. I'll rummage around a little bit and look for that. But the problem remains that as of today, any pharmacy that is making uh, compounding batch syringes uh, with expiration dates longer than 24 hours should really begin to reevaluate what they're doing. You know, for example, the putting things in plastic syringes and uh, putting them out on the floor, putting them on automated dispensing cabinets, or using them on your own shelves to fill uh, future orders, it's just no longer going to fly, at least not at the moment. Now, I expect BD and other syringe manufacturers are probably doing something in the background, uh, maybe studies of their own. Uh, maybe they're looking at using a different material in their syringe stoppers. You know, I don't know what that is. I, I haven't had uh, the opportunity to speak to anybody in person, and none of my uh, email inquiries have been answered. So I will begin looking for information probably at ASHP Midyear in New Orleans. But in the meantime, I would caution any pharmacy that is using this uh, method to produce their medications and syringes to you know, be very, very careful on how you do it. This is really going to hurt um, I think really going to hurt pediatric pharmacies. Pediatric pharmacies, pediatric hospital pharmacies, do a ton of medications and syringes, and that has historically been the case. That's how you dispense medications. Most medications from manufacturers are not made in pediatric dosages. Most of them are made in one single dose, and then pediatric hospitals, pediatric pharmacies, have to break those down into a usable dose. There's just no way that you're going to give a nurse in a NICU, you know, a vial of something that's intended for adult use. You're going to break that down uh, simply for safety. Now, that'll be interesting to see if hospitals start putting more vials on the floor. I mean, historically, we've removed vials from the floor in pediatric areas, uh, especially in neonatal intensive care units, simply because they're dangerous. They may have to be diluted once or twice to get to the concentration that we would administer in a reasonable volume to a, to a neonate. You know, you've got a 500 grammer. You're certainly going to be very careful with what you administer. It'll be interesting to see if hospitals now start putting vials back on the floor. I mean, I can't imagine that happening. But if that doesn't happen, then pharmacies are going to have to start preparing drugs uh, just in time for medication delivery. And that, that creates a whole new set of nightmares, especially in urgent or emergent situations where nurses are used to going to a Pixis, for example, or an automated dispensing cabinet of your choice and grabbing the drug, going to the bedside and administering it. You know, now you're looking at pharmacies having to possibly pull that up on demand, which lengthens the process. And I actually think that probably is dangerous for patient safety. I think that's a, a major negative. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens I'll stay on top of this, and I'll update you guys uh, whenever I get new information. If you have new information, please, please feel free to contact me at jerry at jerryfarney.com or, or leave me a comment. Uh, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to discuss this further. If you uh, happen to hear this and you're with one of the companies, uh, BD or other syringe maker, or one of the robot manufacturers, I'd love to hear from you guys and see how you're going to handle this.
Anyway, thanks for listening and take care. Talk to you soon.